Welcome to the Life Community Church Podcast. We hope that your time with us helps you get grounded, grow, and branch out in your relationship with Christ. And now, here's this week's sermon from Pastor Randy Hewitt. Everything then that is created, everything that exists, 
exist for the glory of God. To recognize His majesty. The, the angels around the throne of God don't say, God's okay, God's okay, God's okay. Do they? They say, holy, holy, holy. They say, He is the ultimate. He is the penultimate of all things. He is all things. So David was a worshiper. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, he had a heart. He had a desire to do God's will. Uh, Saul started out good. He had a proud, rebellious heart. He rebelled against God. He thought he knew better than God. Uh, he thought his ideas were better than God's ideas. Know anybody like that? You ever been like that this week? Right? Where we think we know we don't do it God's way. We want to do it our way because we think our way will be better. And so we argue with God and we say, you know, that didn't, you know, that may apply to them then. It doesn't apply to me now. And that's what Saul did. Saul had a rebellious heart. So God removed him from being king over Israel and put David. And David was just as flawed. David made big mistakes. He made big mistakes. He made big mistakes in the beginning of his life, middle of his life, the end of his life. He never quit. It seems like David just kept doing stupid things. But every time he did, he did something different than Saul. He just wasn't sorry for what he had done. He repented. And in the Bible, the word repentance doesn't mean to be sorry. It means to turn away from. You change direction. So he changed direction. God helped him get back up again over and over again. And he desired to walk in obedience. So David is is uh, been chosen by God. Samuel is, has come to his house. Uh, Samuel the prophet, and he he as of his, all of his brothers, uh, you know, Samuel goes to Jesse's house. Jesse's David's father, and he says, you know, I'm, I'm here, and they're all afraid. Why has Saul come? Because usually when the prophet comes, somebody's in trouble. So they're worried why he's there, and and, uh, and so he says, I'm looking for somebody, and so. When Samuel sees Eliab, the oldest, he's handsome and tall, and so Samuel says, surely this is him, because Saul had been, uh, Saul had been tall. So figure this, you know, God's going for tall people. Tall people can serve God better or something, you know, so, we, you know, we quickly get into ruts, don't we? And so, uh, so God says, no, that's not him. And they go through all the brothers, and it's none of them. And they said, well, aren't, aren't, is there somebody else? And they said, well, there's David, but he's out with the sheep. And, <laughs> and he said, well, go get him. So they bring David in, the, the youngest, you know, the, the run of the litter. And, uh, and, and God says, this is him, anoint him. And he, anoint, he anoints David in front of his brothers and his father as king over Israel. And then that, nothing else really happens in that moment. So we're, we're following the story along. And... Uh, in the, in, in the springtime, they go out to battle, and the Philistines gather up against them for battle, and the Israelites gather for battle against the Philistines. The Philistines were, you know, always the, the Philistines were, are a people that gathered in the seacoast. They came from the Aegean Sea area, uh, where a lot of warriors, areas like Sparta and that area of the Aegean Sea, those are people that settled in Philistia and became the Philistines. They were, they settled on the coastline. They were a seafaring, warring people. And uh, so they came in at about the same time the children of Israel came into Israel after the Exodus. About the same time, they began to make their way from the sea inland. And so they all, they became a, 
a thorn to Israel. They were always wanting to battle Israel. They were a battling people. It seems like this was, this was the NFL of the old days. Just, you know, just in the springtime, it's, hey, it's cut, let's go have a fight. Let's go peck a fight. <laughs> so uh, this is a challenge. So Goliath shows up. Goliath is a giant. We've got a, we have a, a paper giant on the wall that you can take your picture with or your children can. The Philistines drew up in their troops for battle. They deployed them in Sokoth and Judah and set up camp between Soko and Isvika at Ephes Damim. You know exactly where that is, right? Okay. Right between Frisco and McKinney. Uh, so Saul and the Israelites came together, camped at Oak Valley, and spread out their troops in battle readiness for the Philistines. The Philistines were on one hill, and the Israelites on the opposing hill with the valley in between them. Makes sense, right? So there's two hilltops. Each army is on an opposing hilltop, and they're prepared to fight the battle in the valley. A giant, nearly 10 feet tall, stepped out from the Philistine line into the open, Goliath from Gath. He had a bronze helmet on his head and was dressed in armor, 126 pounds of armor. So I don't know how much a guy who can carry 126 pounds of armor weighs, but... but uh, I looked, a nine feet guy would weigh somewhere like 700 pounds. So, so he wore bronze shin guards and carried a bronze sword. His spear was like a fence rail. The spear tip alone weighed over 15 pounds and his shield bearer walked ahead of him. Well, I stood there and called out to the Israelite troops, why bother using your whole army? Am I not Philistine enough for you? And you're not all committed to Saul, aren't, and aren't you all committed to Saul? So pick your best fighter and pit him against me. And if he gets the upper hand and kills me, the Philistines will all become your slaves. But if I get the upper hand and kill him, you'll all become our slaves and serve us. I challenge the troops of Israel this day, give me a man, let us fight it out together. And when Saul and his troops heard the Philistine challenge, they were terrified and lost hope. And he did this for 40 days. So for 40 days, they would come out and challenge, and they would all be terrified, and they're all just waiting. So David's at home, keeping his sheep with his father Jesse. He's already been anointed by Saul, like I said. So Jesse, his father, sends him, because it's 40 days now, he sends him to his older brothers, his three older brothers, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shema. He sends him to them. He says, I want you to take this food to them. He takes them some wheat. He takes them some cheeses. He takes them loaves of bread because they have, you know, it's been a long time. They need to be replenished with food. And when he gets there, he gets there on the 40th day, and when he leaves the supplies with the baggage handler, that's what it said, the baggage handler, you know, get thrown around if that happens. Uh, he leaves it with the baggage handler, and he hears this challenge. He hears Goliath challenge the armies of Israel. So David, you know, this, you know, here's, he's just a kid. He's maybe, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old. These are all men. These are all seasoned men. These older brothers who are much older than him. They're the ones who have gone off to war. And he's just a, a young man who's, you know, the only responsibility they'll trust him with is keeping the sheep. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him saying, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine 
and takes away the reproach from Israel. So what, you know, what's going to be the benefit? And he says, well, you're going to get the king's daughter and your family is going to get to live tax-free. That would be a pretty good benefit right there, right? So you get, you're going to marry into the royal family and, and you're going to get to live tax-free. So he says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Why is that important to David? Because circumcision is the sign of the covenant. Being an Israelite and being circumcised is a sign that they are under the covering of God's promises. We are in the covenant. So he's saying, what is this man who is outside of the protection of God? What is he doing making these claims against God? He's not making them against us because we're under the covenant. Right? God's promised to fight for us. We're under the covenant. So who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? See, and he didn't even see them as Saul's armies or Israel, Israel's, Israelis, Israel's army. He saw them as whose armies? This is the army of God. He doesn't have any right to taunt the army of God. So when the words where David spoke were heard, they told him to Saul and he sent for him. So Saul's excited. Now think about this. Saul's excited that some is, someone is willing to fight the giant. Now, who should have fought the giant? Saul. Now, we know about Saul. The Bible says that he was head and shoulders taller than everybody else. So Saul, the average height at this time was five feet and a half, five feet, six inches. So if if, if Saul was head and shoulders, he was, you know, 14 to 16 inches taller than the average man. So Saul himself was almost seven feet tall. So, now you think, why why did they let the Philistine define the conflict? I mean, there was a lot of ways to fight this. They all could have run down the hill and attacked the Philistines. They didn't have, they didn't have to do it the way the Philistine said. Right? When the Philistines came down there, they could have sent, they said, okay, next time he does this, Let's send a hundred people down and attack him and take this sucker out. But, you know, there's a lot of ways that they could have done it, but they didn't because Saul was lacking courage. He didn't have the faith and the courage to move forward. So, so because he was afraid to move forward, they're just they're just on the hill waiting, you know, waiting for something to happen, hoping hoping it works out, uh, but nothing has happened. So David says to Saul, "Let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine." Whereupon I'm sure Saul's heart jumps and said, Woohoo! Uh, better you than me, kid. Uh, then Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. So he says, This guy, look at him. This is all he's done his whole life. He's a warrior. And, and you're just a kid. You're just a kid. You don't know anything about war. And here you are. You don't have a chance against this warrior. But David said to Saul, Your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took it and took a lamb from the flock. So he said, I was keeping my father's sheep. One day, a bear came. And another day, a lion came. And he came and attacked one of the sheep. And he said, I went after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. 
with a stick. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the armies of the living God. Now, so I looked it up. Syrian brown bears are small bears, a lot like a black bear here. They're, they only weigh about 550 pounds. 55 inches from nose to tail. So when a Syrian bear stood up, it would be six or seven feet tall. And they can run 37 miles an hour, uphill, downhill, across a hill, up a tree, down a tree. They've, you know, they're literally killing machines. That's what they do, right? Asiatic lions are smaller than African lions. The adult male only weighs about 350 to 420 pounds. Lions can run 50 miles an hour. That's two minutes. How long can you run 50 miles an hour? (laughs) I'm I'm gone in about two seconds, right? So, So here's what David says. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, because it's not the mouth of the lion you're worried about, or the bear, it's the paw. They've got razors at the end of their paw, and just a swipe, and they take out your tonsils. Or a swipe, and they take out your intestines, and you're done. He says, I, it seems to me that it's much scarier to fight a lion or a bear with a stick than a nine-foot-tall, 700-pound man that's slow as a snail, right? That's what David's thinking. David says, look, look, look what God's already done. God's already done the, really the impossible, the, you know. So he said, this, this, this uncircumcised Philistine, he's going to be nothing. And so Saul says, well, go and may the Lord be with you. <laughs> I hope, hope it works out. See, here's what David believed. David believed that God had been faithful and that he would be faithful. He was able to look back. He was able to look back on the experience of his life. He was saying, look what God has done. He delivered me from the lion and the bear. He will deliver me from this giant. That's our story. That since God delivered me from sin, and gave me salvation, and he delivered me from death, and gave me eternal life, the same God who delivered me from sin and death is able to deliver me today from this giant that's in front of me, right? God has been faithful. He's not going to let me down. Here's what Paul said. I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. And this is what I believe makes David a man after God's own heart. What made David a man after God's own heart? He had the courage to lay down his life for the truth. Remind you of anybody? Jesus said this about himself in John 10, 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. When God saw in David 
care. I am willing to put my life on the line to rescue sheep. We should keep we keep our sheep are not entirely unknown. That's not God always compares us to sheep. <laughs> Jesus put his life on the line to rescue you. When we were lost, when we were rebellious, when we were stubborn, Jesus died for us. The shepherd laid down his life. I believe this is what makes David a man after God's own heart. So Saul says, well, at least put on my armor, you know, try, try my armor, see if my armor will work. So, so he, he puts on, you know, because Saul's got, you know, similar armor to Goliath, a shield, and he's got, you know, breastplate, and he's got a sword. And, uh, and David says, I, can't, I haven't tested them. I don't, I don't know how to use these. And so he just, he walks out with just his stick in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in his shepherd's bags, which he had even his pouch. And his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistines. Stick and sling and five stones. Now, I don't know, when I thought about, in my mind, as I thought about a slingshot, I thought about the stones being about the size of a pebble. You know, not big, but the Romans uh, used, used uh, slings that would hold a rock the size of like a golf ball up to like a tennis ball. I don't know if you'd like, if you'd relish getting hit in the forehead with a tennis ball made out of rock, but uh, it'd probably knock you out, wouldn't it? That's all he had to do was knock him out. But so he, he goes to Brook, he chooses five stones. We know from the rest of the text that this Goliath had four sons. There were four other giants that eventually got killed by David's men. There were five giants total. So possibly it's why he took, maybe he thinks, okay, I'm, I'm not just going to kill one giant. I'm going to have to kill five giants. So, you know, you can imagine. So when Goliath sees, when Goliath sees this kid come out, and he doesn't have on armor, he, he doesn't look like a warrior. I mean, you can imagine that Goliath is scarred up and ugly, Right? Just an old warrior. And when the Philistine came on and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him, when the Philistines looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy with a handsome appearance. And the Philistine said to, the, to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said also to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. David, David says to the Philistine, you come with me as a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I'll give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, and that all the earth may know how good David is. That's not what he says. What? That all the world will know that there is a God in Israel and that all of this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's. 
and he will give you into our hand. And what happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to David, that David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag, took some of the stone, and slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone, the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Not dead, but knocked out. Then David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling of the stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. Most of the Israelites didn't have swords. They had farm implements. David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed it. Killed him. He killed him with his own sword and cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And everybody said, Woohoo! Here's what I want you to get from this, this last few minutes we have. The battle is the Lord's. What does that mean? The, 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 the battle is the Lord's. I mean, all, all, of, all of Israel could have been sitting up on the side of the mountain saying, the battle's the Lord's. Oh, the battle's the Lord's. But the difference is they weren't willing to get involved in the battle. Well, if the battle's the Lord's, why do I have to be involved in the battle? Because that's the way it works. You got to trust God. David was prepared. I mean, he knew how to use a sling. He didn't all of a sudden have to learn how to fight like Goliath fought. God used the gifts and abilities that he had. He was probably quick and he was good with a sling. The Bible talks about in Judges that there was 700 choice men who were left-handed. Each one could fling a stone at a hare and not miss. That's pretty accurate. So I imagine that David, as he sat watching sheep day by day, that that he practiced with a slingshot. And, And he was good at it. I mean, it probably wasn't perfect. But I mean, that's why he had five stones. Because, you know, what if I miss? The other thing is that David... David showed up. The battle is the Lord's, but you got to show up. How does God fight your battles? Well, he uses you. I mean, God empowered David. They, uh, I, you know, I don't know if when the, the, the stone left David's slingshot that God empowered it and put it on track so that it hit Goliath in the right spot. I don't know if David, by, in his own power, hit Goliath in the right spot. But it happened, and then, then the impact of that stone was sufficient to knock him out. And I don't know if David's throw was sufficient to do that, or if God added something to it to make it sufficient to do that. But without David's execution, without David's faith, without David saying, something's got to be done, Nothing was going to be done. For 40 days, they sat and talked about something needs to be done, but nobody had the courage or the faith to do it. And David steps up with faith, and he says, I believe God can do this. He wasn't standing on the hillside watching like his three older brothers. He disdained him. He said, 
Let's see what God does. Hebrews 10.38 says, But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. God wants you to have... Are they starting to pepper Kim already? Get an early start on watching him lose. Probably true, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't pick on the Cowboys. Got to have faith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just we'll see if they show up. So. So here's what happened. Ultimately, he believed that there was a place where his limited human ability met with his availability. And the outcome was that when his limited ability met with an availability, met with God's ability, that lions and bears were destroyed, sheep were saved, and giants fell down. That's, that's how God will work in your life. This is a picture of how God will work in your life. We all face different challenges and giants and things that are happening and coming against us. And God wants to use you. He wants, he wants you. He wants you to see how faithful he is. See, because Dave, you know, to me the most courageous thing David did was the day that he went after either the lion or the bear. The first one, right? Because after you've killed a lion or a bear, then when the lion or the bear shows up next time, you think, well, you can look back in reference to, well, I, I did kill a lion or a bear. I should be able to kill this lion or bear. And then from the lion or the bear, he was able to say, because God did this and God did this, I believe he can do this. But somewhere you have to have the courage to say, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to put my trust in God. The, first, the most important place where you can put your trust in God is trust Him to slay in your life the giants of sin. The most important thing you can do is say, say you know, Lord, I need you to save me. I need you to deliver me from my sin. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to rescue the sheep. Out of the lion's mouth. Jesus came to rescue you and I out of the power of sin and death so that you and I can live in victory over sin and death. Not sinlessness, but victory. What's the difference? Well, sinlessness would mean that you'd never sin. Anybody there yet? Victory over sin means that we recognize that in Christ that we are at war with sin. We're at war with it. We're not, we're not yield. Oh, yeah, I'm a sinner. Well, I'm yielded to it. I'm, I'm just going to sit on the side of the hillside and let God fight the battle. And it won't work that way, will it? You have to say, God, I, I, in my own life, because of what Jesus has already done, he's already been victorious over sin and death. 
I'm going to participate with God. I'm going to agree with God. I want to fight the battle. I want to fight. I'm going to war with sin. And there is going to be a day of total and complete victory. Right? The most important battle I can fight is trust God. I can engage in the fight. And I can believe God for this. I can believe that God, because of what he has done, has God been faithful to you? I mean, the most important thing is God showed his faithfulness when he killed the lion of sin. God showed his faithfulness when he killed the bear of death and gave you in Christ eternal life. Those are two unsurmountable things in your life that God did for you to show you his faithfulness. And now that he's shown his faithfulness, you say, you know what, God? I can trust you because of what you have done. I believe you can help me for this giant to take. God is bigger than the giant. And here's what the, the kids are going to get today. Little people can do big things when they put their faith in a big God. Right? That's a good lesson, isn't it? Little people, like you and I, can do big things when we put our faith in the big God. God does the impossible. He restores marriages that are broken, almost seems irreparable. He changes lives. Haven't you seen it? Haven't you seen those that are in bondage set free? I mean, this room is full of them. God does it. Whatever your giant is, God is able to deliver. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Some of you are facing some big stuff, big challenges, big giants. Father, I believe that you're able to deliver us. Just as you delivered David from the hand of Goliath, I believe, Lord, the things that stand before us, they're not defying us. They are defying the armies of the living God. Because we are not our own. We have been bought with a price. Father, we belong to you. We're your children. And we believe that you are fighting on our behalf. We believe if God is for us, who can be against us? Yea, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him, through Christ, because he died for us. Father, we just, we just stand in faith believing. We just, we just believe, Lord, that these giants before us, before our hearts and minds, before our lives, these Seemingly, seemingly unchangeable things, undoable things, fall in the name of the Lord. We claim victory. Just say it. Just say, I, I just claim the victory in Jesus' name. The Lord who fights my battles. And for his glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Enjoy the Cowboy game.
Thanks for tuning in to the Life Community Church podcast. We hope that your time with us has helped you get grounded, grow, and branch out in your relationship with Christ. As you go, we pray that you would be blessed and be a blessing to everyone that you meet.